Right, hi, this is Steve from Retroman Blog, and welcome to this latest special edition of Retrosonic Podcast. Um, you might have seen on the blog recently that um, I was at the final show of uh, Duncan Reed and the Big Heads at the Lexington. That was back on October the 7th. And I did you know, probably end up a bit of an emotional bit of writing, I think, because I was there at a sold-out Lexington. I think the announcement came as a bit of a shock, you know, one, because it's hot on the heels of probably his best album to date, and two, that um, he... I think at first, I think people were worried about his health, you know, because the announcement was quite quite sort of sudden. And the first thing people think is, oh, God, is he all right? Because he always looks so fit and healthy, you know, bouncing around the stage and he always looks like he's enjoying it. And um, so, yeah, I think the, the sort of announcement came out of the blue a little bit. But uh, me, like a lot of fans, were sort of going, why? Why? Why are you stopping? You know, it's just so great. You know? um, so I thought what I'd do, I'd corner Duncan and invite him into our virtual studio and to, and to ask why. But not just that. No, I don't want to get all too nostalgic or too sort of maudlin, but um, it, or just to really talk about the new album and, and how good it is and go through a few of the highlights from it and uh, and discuss, you know, a little bit of thoughts behind the record and the decision to pack in his Duncan Backer bass. So welcome, Duncan. Good to see you again. Hi, Steve. Yeah, good to be here. Um, well, yeah. So should we just get straight to the point then and <laughs> get the, the large elephant out of the room? Um, this decision... It did come to a lot of, uh, quite a surprise because you you sort of made this announcement just about the same time as the new album was released, and there's a subtle hint in the title of the album, and it's goodbye from him, and it was it sort of said that you were sort of ceasing to be as Duncan Reed and the Big Head. So I, I know I've been sort of listening to some of your interviews and reading the lyrics and the explanations, and there's sort of seems to be quite a few factors involved, but, um, you know, it seemed quite a drastic sort of decision to make. So so what prompted it to, to do it at the release of the album? Well, you, you said it. The fact that it coincided with, with the album is um, coincidence, I think. Um, as you say, there are many reasons I can think of. I mean, it's funny. I was doing an interview yesterday and somebody said, have you been masking all these years? Are you actually been up on stage and hating it and just pretending that you're enjoying it? I said, no, no, I really, I really did enjoy it. Um, I mean, as a short answer, it was after we came back after lockdown. I spent a lot of lockdown in France having the time of my life doing nothing and not thinking about music, just being with the family and, and suddenly realising I was really happy uh, not doing it. Uh, and then we came back and we started doing the festivals and the gigs and everything again. And and they were still as great as they'd ever been. You know, we were as good as we'd ever been, if not better. And uh, and people were enjoying themselves. But suddenly I didn't need to do it. And, um, you know, when you don't need to do it anymore, by about the 17 years I had between uh, Boys Mark 1 and Boys Mark 2, if I didn't do it, I'd get really unhappy. Whereas um, what was happening was if I had a gig coming up, it would make me unhappy uh, because uh, all of the admin and all of the stress. And then you layer on top the fact that, you know, post-Brexit, uh, there are European countries you, it's illegal to play in. And the ones you can play in, you can't take any merch, so you lose money. Um, and then when I do do a tour of Germany and Spain, France, Holland, etc., it cuts down the number of days I can spend with my family in France. Yeah. So that was a, that was a, a big issue. Um, it was get really getting in the way of the one thing in my life I wanted to do the most. And other issues like I was feeling, I'm getting old. 
And I'd really like to go out when I'm really, really good. I mean, I've said in other interviews, I could carry on being a genius for a few year, more years now, but, you know, why bother? Um, so many, many reasons. And then there's the big one, um, you know, which I reveal on, on the record that came about through a friend hear, hearing one of the songs in particular and saying, have you ever thought whether you're autistic and finding out that, finding out that I am? Mm. Uh, which made a huge difference to my life, made life much, much easier in that I don't get wound up by people who appear to be idiots to me anymore. Uh, and wrote, wrote one more song about that discovery and then didn't feel the need to do any more at all. Yeah. So maybe that's got something to do with it, but I think it's a combination of all, all of those factors and more. Yeah, it's interesting because I think with the lockdown, I think it sort of affected people in... in many and varied ways didn't it you know because i'm talking from our, a musical point of view whether it's sort of going to gigs for you know great big music fans that stopped going to gigs i know music photographers that just didn't want to go out anymore some bands didn't want to play i mean even for myself you know you cut down you find yourself cutting down on gigs and i, I think it did it did have an, an impact on someone and also like you said to look at what you're doing and reevaluate what you're doing in your life as well. You know, like, um, I mean, I certainly cut back on doing the blog and things because I realise, you know, you get a lot of pressure for things and not just from the physical side of the COVID and, and illness and that, but just that the mental side of it, you know, and realising that you, you do have other things to do in life, you know. It's, uh, no, it's, it's really, really true. I mean, especially amongst the older generations. I mean, for, for instance, um, before um, COVID, cinema... So, you know, independent cinema especially was largely sustained by um older people going usually midweek at times when you know not weekends but midweek they just don't go anymore uh, and uh, the cinema and independent film is really suffering from from it and i think um you know there's a lot of audiences in, in music that are that are down as well yeah. so as i say you've got that 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 issue where it's become you know financially unviable to play in europe the uk i think things like rebellion still do well people are looking for value for money but um generally look at clubs that are closing you know so so it it, it is hard it's, it has had a big effect overall yeah without a doubt you know and i think we'll, we'll touch on a few of these issues as well as we go along because what, what we're going to do we, we had a i was thinking when I saw all these interviews you were doing, I was thinking, oh, God, how can I make this a little bit different? And then you luckily saved my bacon because you said, why don't we talk about some of the more obscure tracks that I've done? And um, I, I didn't want to be nostalgic in this one because we've already done a fantastic show with you, ironically, over lockdown, which kept me going. Um, all, all the interviews I did with some of my favourite musicians over lockdown, uh, we did a great interview with you, um, looking back over your musical career and also going back to your musical influences, some of your favourite music, so, you know, we've done all that. We've done that side of it. Um, and so there's no need to be sort of nostalgic. I'm sure you've had enough of that. People going over your career now. And, and I would, like I say, the, the important thing for me as a music fan and a fan of your Ooh, music about is... discussing the time we taught yeah. the Ramones to play Baby I Love You again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we could skip that one. It'd be really good. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you that one, no, no. But, um, but you know, we so we've done all that. And, and the important thing is you... you ha taking away the fact that you've made this announcement about it being your your sort of farewell the, the album is is bloody fantastic it's i think it's a really strong album you must be really proud of it and i thought well let's concentrate on that and i wanted to look back at some of your other pivotal big heads and solo tracks and you said well why not let's let's go through a few of the sort of more obscure ones and i thought great idea and there, it, there was you did trump me on one because i <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so obscure that I didn't even have it in my collection, but I've remedied that one. Um, so I'll tell you, well, let's kick off. Um, and you've picked one from your uh, latest album, uh, Bill Gates, Finland is a Myth. So um, Yeah, well, again, it's a, a, lot, a lot of the lyrics were, a lot of the songs were, were written in, in that second lockdown. And if you remember, the conspiracy theories flying around, it was just getting out of hand. You know, people were just, oh, you're thinking, what are you on? So I sort of went through and, and I researched and I just put together my my favourite ones, you know. So you had everybody thinking that that there was a chip in the vaccine because Bill Gates wants to spy on all of us. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> Elvis is a gardener living in Graceland, mowing the lawn so that nobody bothers him. Um, you know, various others. They, 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 there's a gang of international, um, all of the international governments in the world are secretly devil-worshipping paedophiles. And the only person who's going to save us is Donald Trump. That's QAnon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bloody hell. And then my favourite... Uh, was there are uh, you can see this on youtube you go on there there are millions of people who think that finland doesn't exist it's <laughs> been made up by the russians and the japanese so that nobody else will go there and fish yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that one yeah that that is an obscure one you know even by conspiracy theories there are millions of people who believe it i tell you well i, I know some finnish people but ironically they, they live in sweden so um <laughs> maybe they <laughs> I well, I had a record. There was a record company who put out the, the vinyl single of uh, your future ex-wife from the um, from the fourth album. <laughs> they tell me they're in Finland. Yeah. Well, you better check where it was pressed and everything, where it was made. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, but uh, it's a great track and it's it's fantastic uh, lyrics behind it. It's hilarious. So uh, let's hear it. Let's hear Bill Gates and Finland is a myth. Yeah. 
Well, it's a great track. That's Bill Gates, Finland is a Myth from Duncan Reed and the Big Heads final album. And it's Goodbye from Him. Um, yeah, great, great uh, conspiracy theory track. And I suppose people had to keep busy in lockdown somehow, didn't they? And uh, dreaming up it all was... these wild conspiracy theories was one way of, uh, of keeping occupied. I mean, I used to row with people on Facebook a lot. It was a symptom of not knowing that I was autistic and just getting wound up by idiots, you know, which is a, 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 one of the symptoms. I don't, I don't get so wound up anymore because... Uh, I know, I know what's happening, but God, I fell out with so many people who were just spouting all this stuff. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's um, you don't need to be uh, autistic to, to fall out with idiots on Facebook, do you? <laughs> oh dear. And then I thought what we do as well, because again, we'll, we'll, we'll what we do, we'll split um, the new album tracks, and we'll put in some of the uh, the oldies as well. Uh, well, yep. um, so we can sort of balance it out a little bit and. This was the one that, that had me stumped because um, you've picked, you said, oh, let's choose They're Dreaming About Me from the first album, Little Big Head, which you actually did as a solo album. Um, so I got my album out and I'm going, I haven't got that on yeah, my then re- Yeah, it was, the first album was uh, reissued under the Big Head's name and with um, uh, three bonus tracks of which this is one. Um, this was actually a song that I wrote towards the end of my time in The Boys when we'd just been on tour in South America and um, I'd picked up a really big fan base there. And I suddenly saw that there was, I can't remember what it was called, there was a Facebook group of loads of South American girls who were just talking about me. Mm. (laughs) I thought, oh, things are going up in the world. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it, it, it... it was surprising and I was delighted. Yeah. And uh, so I made this little story up about, um, you know, they ha- how misled they were. And you're still packing it in after? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, it's, it's a, and it's a brilliant track as well, so I'm glad I found it because it's like it's nice yeah. when you find an obscure Well, it, it, it's funny. I, I mean, I recorded that first album. It's basically me and Tony Barber in a shed. Um, and... Um, I'd forgotten about these tracks and uh, there were about four or five of them. And I was just rumbling around in the, in the files on my computer and I came across them. I thought, blimey, why the hell did I throw those away? Because there's another one, April Fool and um, Baby Baby. And I was they're really, really bloody good. Yeah. Well, well, you can, we can all hear for ourselves. This is the obscure track. (laughs) which probably deserves to be a single in its own right, and it's called They're Dreaming About Me.
Yeah, see, it's a great song. It is. It's, it's brilliant. not bad, is it? No, not no, bad for one that was thrown in the bin. No, no, I'm, I'm really chuffed to have found that. So thanks very much indeed. You know, it's like, it, that's a good thing, isn't it, about finding something new about music. And when often when you see hear that something's unreleased or you know you think well it's probably unreleased for a reason you know but occasionally you do get these reissues and and sort of albums where they've got extra tracks and occasionally you can find some you know some real gems so uh, hopefully people will be rushing out and buying that reissue i hope they are yeah and that was so that was your sort of yeah so you did that with tony barber that was your sort of debut solo album yeah uh, i mean I, I didn't i didn't expect to to uh, be on my own and out of the boys and uh, uh and tony really save my bacon because um i you know a i didn't know about all these newfangled ways of making an album i thought that you just still did it on a tape machine and well it was a, it was a great record and um then you decided to get on the road and, and you formed the big heads and i've seen you over the years from right from the, when you started with the big heads i've seen very various lineups of the band so you you know you had sort of anna on guitar you had um alex gold um, who I know from when he, he was a producer at the Word magazine and um, he's doing quite well as a in lots of these sort of tribute bands like Small Faces and mm. <laughs> Beatles and things. And then you had Mauro from the Speedways and uh, Johnny Kohler as well. Um, Heidi Cotton you've had on guitar. So I've seen various... Just recently, sort of yeah. I mean, we had, a, we had a very stable line-up for, line for quite a long time with uh, Karen, Sophie and Nick. Um, started to get a bit... These sad things on the gun. One, uh, one of them has really taken off. So we got his girlfriend Heidi in, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. It, I really, I really enjoyed uh, being the best-looking bloke in the band with, uh, you know, with three, <laughs> three, three women. It was great. I really loved it. <laughs> but they're all great. Uh, they've all been great um, contributors to the band, you know, and, and really popular with uh, with fans. I think you've always won. This is again one thing again about the sad part of you packing it in is that they were such a fantastic band, you know, and there was a lot of chemistry between you and them. And you always looked like you were having a great time on stage, um, especially between sort of like Nick and Sophie, they had a great interplay and with you. Um, where, where did you sort of find them? Where did you sort of um, discover them and, and get them recruited to the lineup? Well, I deliberately set out to get um, a band that was half my age because I wanted the sort of different sounds that they bring. And they do, that, that you know, they, they play the guitar in a different way. They're, you know, they're influenced by bands of the 90s and the noughties and, uh, and play things differently. And I wanted that. Um, and it started off really, Alex Gold was the, uh, the great help. And I threw him into this network of people his age. Um, and if, you know, if one dropped out, I just, just you know, ma- managed to find a friend of a friend. Um, but... Yeah, you know, we we genuinely have had good fun. I mean, one of the things I've always been able to do is, is sort of feel an audience. I could do it in the boys, um, and, and you know that that was great. That's when I first got this feel, this wave of sort of um, appreciation coming back. Um, you know, I worked at Nottingham Forest, and I, and I was speaking often to some you know great strikers there who would who would talk about the complete adrenaline rush of scoring a goal with the crowd going up and what have you and i think it's a, a, playing on stage is more of a drawn out version of that where you literally feel that coming back at you and with this it, it's been even better than than the boys because you know um, I, i'm not talking about the the quality of the music versus each other because that's that's for other people to judge but i think without 
any shadow of a doubt, the Big Heads were way, way better live band than the boys. And I'm not talking about the music. I'm just talking about the fact that there was like four people just dedicated to having fun and putting on a show. Mm. And I used to look forward to it so much because you knew we really bloody good that the audience were going to love it. And then you get this these waves of, uh, you know, for want of a better word, almost love coming back that, that, that was absolutely brilliant. Oh, without a doubt. And I think anyone that saw you play and, and the big heads, you know, will, will agree that you were such a fantastic sort of live act. And, um, and again, I guess from a selfish point of view, from a, from a fan's point of view, it, it was a bit of a shock when you said you were going to pack it in. And, and listening to you speak there, I'm almost thinking, like, are you talking yourself back into changing your mind already? No, I'm really not. I'm really not. Because as I say, the gigs have always been great. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you know, for the various economic reasons we're talking about, plus something has changed within me yeah. um, that, um, you know, the, the downside of it all has become a headache oh, and, uh, and is no longer outweighed by what I know, like at the Lexington, would be an absolutely amazing night, which yeah. it was. But, yeah, now that I'm past the Lexington, I'm almost in that world again that I was in in France between the two lockdowns for four or five months without a care in the world. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to hear your honest opinion. You know, it's something which is, is sort of quite, it's, it's different, isn't it? It's a different sort of opinion than people would probably expect, you know, because I think uh, as, as a sort of fan and as, as a, a, a failed musician myself, you know, you, you see someone doing it and, and they are at the top of the game and then they just say, I'm not doing it now. I totally understand that. I can understand, you know, I announced it about six months ago and ever since then, you know, I had quite a few people, it tends to be the bigger blokes, <laughs> the ones you think would be hard nuts, crying their eyes out, you know. And um, I, I feel moderately guilty about that for almost 10 seconds uh, before I tell them to grow up. And, uh, you know, but I do understand it. I do understand it that both it's especially our, our, our really big fans, and we've got a lot of them, uh, not big in size, but big in, you know, devotion, <laughs> yeah. are, um, although they tend to be big in size as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, normally standing in front of me at a gig, yeah. Dave Draper, who produced it, is is the biggest one who's been on at me because uh, he said, bloody hell, I only just discovered you and then I've had the time of my life making this record and I'm so proud of it. And then you say you're not going to do it anymore. You can't do it. You just can't do it. He sort of sends me messages regularly saying, write a song. <laughs> and I send one back saying, no. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, there's a lot of people on at me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can including imagine. My, including my wife. <laughs> she wants me out the house. Yeah. yeah, you sure you haven't got a European tour book next week? You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, but it is refreshing to, to hear it, you know, the, the sort of... A, the, the sort of um, explanations behind it you know and uh well they're different aren't they yeah well it's it is it's true well let's um go on to the new album again and um this again is a, is a slightly different take on things because they, <laughs> this is a waltz i know you know, and this features an argentinian squeeze box so that that is different band of neon i'd never heard of it either hmm. <laughs> um but it, it features the genius alex musatov who um you know, I came, uh, I came across via a, a mutual friend who put together a video that had me, TV Smith, Von Ritchie from De Totenhose and, and various South uh, uh, American musicians as, as a tribute to um, 
uh, a friend of all of ours who, who who died tragically young. But I was just captivated by Alex, his violin on it. I thought, oh, wow, can that boy play? And it is weird. It's really, really avant-garde. But nevertheless, I really wanted to um, work with him. And at the same time, I had just written a song that was, of course, brilliant. But I thought, well, you know, it's another power pop punk song. Um you know, I'd really like to do something different. And I've been listening to German cabaret, things like Mac the Knife and, you know, various other things uh, and enjoying it. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to do something really different. I'm going to do something like that in in a time signature that I've never written to, which is a waltz. You know, instead of uh, rock uh, punk or rock and roll being da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, it's da-da-da-da-da-da. And um, came up with a melody and then sent it to Alex and said, please, please play on it. Please play on it. <laughs> and um, he sent back about 13 or 14 tracks of just genius violin, the, you know, the Alex Mustoff, um, uh orchestra. And then I said, well, you know, it's got a kind of French feel to it. Do you know anybody who plays the uh, accordion? And he said, the accordion doesn't exist in um, Argentina, but I'm in a tango band um, and we have, uh, this thing called the Bandoneon. So he got a friend of his to do that. And, you know, the results, I, I, I think, musically are, are just stunning. Especially at the end, I went really overboard with the backing vocals. And I'd love to, in a way, uh, there is on YouTube um, an a cappella one of a little video I made in the garden of the end where there's literally over 20 of me doing these ridiculous um, backing vocals. Uh, which you can hear very well on that video. You can hear them uh, a bit on on the album. Yeah. So for the lyrics, I think it, it, if I remember right, it was probably inspired or started in any case by uh, one, another great quote I saw from Lemmy, which was basically, there's no point ever regretting anything because by the time you've made a mistake, it's too late to fix it. So just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that you have that line in the song, uh, oh, I, about regrets so so if you're the if you're the cleaner who cleans up the mess in the wuhan bat market so in other words if you just started a worldwide pandemic oh don't worry just carry on you know uh and then that sort of morphed into this idea of um what if there was a completely fictional character who'd become prime minister of the uk and was a complete and utter liar um and he was singing um you know this song his version of my way so, uh, you know, uh, what what would those lyrics be? And so th- th- those are the lyrics. And then finally, it's topped off by the absolute genius of Morris Hipkiss on his uh, pedal steel guitar. It's an absolutely wonderful passage in the middle, as, as beautiful as everything he does. Well, I think it's, uh, let's play, and it's certainly different, and it's probably not influenced by Lemmy musically. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is... Um, this is what I lie to you from the new album. It's a it's a great waltz featuring an Argentinian squeeze box.
It's already too late to regret a mistake once you've made it. You've already made it. Now, so best to move on. So if you're the cleaner who cleans up the mess in the Wuhan bat market, just sweep on as you whistle the song. Waste.
Yeah, there you go. It's great. It's, it's a bit of a departure from the, the as you said. It was the, great to have it as well in the middle of the album because, you know, it, it's quite an art to get an album to go up and down, rise and fall and have variations, put it all in the right order. And if all the songs had been straight ahead rockers, it would get a bit too much and be boring. And this is this was a great title. Um, I know you, you like your, your song titles, but as an album title, this was brilliant. This is the, the difficult second album, which was <laughs> which was great, you know. Um, don't think it sounded like it was very difficult. No, it wasn't at all. It really wasn't. But uh, yeah, it, the, the, there's there's a reason why they call them the difficult second albums because normally you know you, you you're signed to a major label or something and they get you out on the road constantly push, pushing the album. So you've had like five years to write the first one. You've only got generally nine months to write the second one, and they've had you out on the road. So suddenly you have to come up with a load of songs, which is. That's why second albums are normally a bit of a problem. But for me, I don't work that way. Yeah. You know, it was two two years between the albums. I had plenty of time to write it. And it was, uh, if anything, more enjoyable making the second one than the first one. Well, you've picked um, a track from this album, uh, Just As Good As I Used To Be. Um, tell us a little bit about this one. Well, I'm always made, taking the mickey out the fact that I'm so old. And in fact, that was about 10 years ago. So I was 10 years younger than I was now, the relative whippersnapper. But, um, yeah, it's just... I love the fact that, um, you know, the play on the words, I'm just as good as I used to be, and boy, I used to be good. So I used to be good. <laughs> I'm still that good. <laughs> you know, so, you know, looking in the mirror, seeing all these lines where a young man used to be and all of that. So, And then, um, yeah, again, a, a, a bit of fun. You know, women might be chasing me, but I'm not bothered. I'd rather be off with, with a cup of tea to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot of. I wish they were chasing South America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's hear it. This is um, just as good as I used to be.
great track and um let's move on to the another one from the new album which is probably something which again consumed a lot of people post lockdown it's uh it's assuming it's about donald trump and uh yeah <laughs> reigns on the good um, yeah i saw that quite i can't remember where i saw that quote um it it, it it rains on the good like the wicked and i thought that was great you know you can try and be as uh as good as you like but you still have as much bad luck as someone who's complete enough to see you next tuesday you know <laughs> um and then for some reason i thought of donald trump don't know why don't know why i wonder why you know <laughs> um so i had a little play with him you know we're the great middle eight um although i say it myself uh you know we'll be peachy here behind our wall yeah. you know <laughs> oh, that's a great, try to imitate his language yeah it's a, it's great lyrics you know and um talks about the twit you know twitter and all of that and the, and the sort of results of the election and oh dear you know sad state of affairs but um a, a great track you know so let's hear it this is it rains on the good
So that was It Rains on the Good from the new album, and it's Goodbye from Him by Duncan Reed and the Big Heads. And next up, we're going to go on to the third album, which is another great record. I love the cover on this one, uh, the, the album cover. It's just something really, really good about it. He's got you spread eagled on the floor. Yeah, it was just, we were just on, t- on tour in Spain, and Karen, Karen took a, a snap of me just spread out, taking in the sun on a bench. Yeah. Um, gave it to um, the guys who did the cover and they, they just sort of took out all of the background and made it purple and it's got a, it's got a great look to it. Yeah, it does look great. And that, that was a Bombs Away, the third album, 2017. And um, you've picked a track again, which is a departure from the normal power pop punk stuff that you're renowned for. This is a really melodic track. Um, yeah, of- it's, it's, I mean, it's a very pretty song. Um, and, and I love the lyrics. Uh, there's something I, I talk about quite, quite a lot, which, which is about how life can be so unexpected and you're sort of blown around in a way, but, uh, uh, and it works its way out. And, you know, I was going through the West End, through Leicester Square, and there's just a load of people around and all going in their random ways and then going into the underground and standing on the escalators and going down. And I, just thinking, just so many lives going on. So, and then I pick on one about who who was actually a, a, a every, every young lady that I knew at the time seemed to be getting engaged and married. So, I just picked on this one who was looking forward to getting married, sort of weaved in amongst all the lives going on at one time. And uh, I'm really proud of the um, the instrumental passage in the middle because it's not it's not usual, but I'm playing just about all of the instruments on on that bit. I'm playing the keyboards and all of the guitars, and there's a few of them playing harmonies. So, um, well, you know, I just like to listen to myself, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Not call the big heads for anything. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's always better when I do it myself, you know. There's a great track, some lovely harmonies in this as well, some great vocal melodies. So, um, well, let's hear it. This is uh, Confetti from Bombs Away. In the breeze 
Yeah, I love that track. It's uh, great, and I think I, I think you've you've got the knack of doing that. You know, you, it's not always just about the three minute Ramalan punk pop songs. You know, you've always sort of used sort of keyboards and synths and different instrumentation through the albums as well. Um, it's like I was saying, it's very important to have up and down on an album to have light and shade. Um, you know, there are some there are some great tracks by bands that when they're put together on an album and they're all the same pace, don't make a good album. Mm, yeah. um, it's a credit to the Ramones that they managed to do that and did make did make great albums, but there are many people who've fallen down on that. That's true. And right? I've, I've really got to enjoy keyboards and many synth bands. Probably one of my favourite records ever is a track called Happiness by Goldfrapp. Um, mm. It's a great song and it's got this kind of Beach Boys feel to it, but it's got all those synthesizers. Mm. Mm. um that that they have uh, and that's found its way on, onto my album my albums i mean lost again on the first one i think it's got some really kicking synthesizers on it um and they often really add to a track yeah definitely and you sort of do you use the keyboards as well live you know you do incorporate them into the live not track. a lot but there's some tracks you just got to have it you know uh, baby baby doll for instance you couldn't play that without a keyboard yeah. Just because you're paranoid, you know, that sort of madness feel that it's got to it is it's come comes from the keyboard. Yeah, that's true. The second album, I listened to the second album the um the other day because um you know, probably you know it's my least successful album if you look at the sort of Spotify streams and, and the set and the sales. And I think it is because probably because it's very, very keyboardy. There there are a few rockers on it, like Sailor V and um just as good as I used to be that we played earlier, but there's a lot of keyboard tracks on it, which I think are great. I really, yeah. I really enjoyed listening to it the other day, uh, but I think that's probably the reason. Well, that's a good point. You know, um, interesting. And, I, and keyboards. I mean, at the end of the gig on at the Lexington, I think <laughs> Nick ended up playing the keyboards <laughs> on his shoulders. I think. You know. Well, what Nick, what Nick, Nick did to my keyboard, it, you know, shouldn't be allowed. It should be illegal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he should get himself a blow-up doll. Oh, yeah, well, it were full, you know. You missed out if you weren't there, you know. God, dear, dear. I think I've got a video of it, though, on my YouTube channel. Oh, so, well, yeah, it'd be incriminating. It's a bit X-rated. but. Uh, <laughs> and so let's come back to the new album then. And um, we were talking about lockdown and, um, you know, you obviously, you, you know, especially you as a band, you, you're very well travelled as a band and obviously as a person as well, you know, and you love travel. And one thing for me as well, the lockdown was was sort of so destructive because you just couldn't travel anywhere. You know, I missed it so much. And I ended up, I think I ended up watching anything that related to travel. I was watching A Place in the Sun and all these like awful daytime TV shows just because I wanted to see something about a bit of culture. Then I was looking at all these YouTube channels, all these travelogues and things. And I was just obsessed by, you know, I was just sort of missing the traveling so much. Oh dear, it was, it was terrible. And, and this track, Gilded Cage on the new album, um, sort of tackles that issue as well. Um, you must have missed it so much, especially no, as a band. I really did. I mean, the first lockdown was once I'd got over the frustration of not being able to go out and, and, and tour to promote the album Don't Blame Yourself. You know, once I got over that, and as I say, sort of put music on a hold, and then the lockdown finished, and you know, we, we went to France, and then we came back. And the second one started, that was, you know, it was just boring, wasn't it? It, it, mm. it was the winter. It was getting dark at three o'clock, you know, uh, and it was in that February after we'd been locked in for a couple of months. And um, Michael Palin travel program came on and he was going through Cairo 
and he was in he was in the train station and it was just a mass of humanity breathing in his face yeah. and we weren't you know i don't know about you but i wasn't you know the idea of being in a room with all those people seemed shocking Mm. Um, and that sort of set me off, uh, you know, how, how insular we'd all become, you know, life had become completely digital, um, entertainment, which wasn't a bad form of entertainment, you know, watching something decent on the telly with a bottle of wine, it was fine, but it wasn't the same, was it? Um, and the idea of just being surrounded by people. And then I just looked around my house and thought, this is a strange situation because I live in a lovely house in a lovely part of the world. You know, when I was going out walking, it's it's gorgeous around here. And I had all the space that I needed, but it was just not the same. I was just itching to, as you say, travel. Mm. And I've got some pictures on my wall of, of times in Argentina and, and, uh, and I just needed cheering up. Mm. So I thought, oh, come on, get yourself out of it. Write, write a, a hopeful song. Uh, and uh, it was a song that sort of encapsulated all of that, that sort of yearning for travel, that yearning for, for good times, coupled with hope, um, because I think the vaccines had just were just mm. on the cusp of being certified then, and it looked like they would unlock things. Um, and so it's got that line in it, you know, the cavalry's arrived, tearing down the borders, and that, that's an allegory for, 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 for the vaccines. Yeah. So the Gilded Cage, I think it's a very apt description of what a lot of us went through. Very nice houses that we lived in, mm. but a cage. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a great lyrics on this. And you even managed to mention Michael Palin, so you get extra points for that. So um, great track. <laughs> so, He's great. Uh, yeah, well, let's hear it. This is um, another track from a fantastic new album, and it's Goodbye From Him. And this is Gilded Cage. <laughs>
Gilded Cage, great song, uh, great lyrics. And, uh, you know, we touched on this before, probably one of the one of the reasons that you decided to stop was the was Brexit and the problems that this is causing for touring bands. Um, yeah, the level of British bands touring in Europe now is forty percent of the level it was before. Um, oh, it's it's depressing. It's, it's it's just the paperwork, you know. E- even if you, you know, the, the paperwork to to take a load of LPs and CDs and T-shirts abroad, you you know, you wouldn't believe it just can't be done. And then, um, although there are certain countries you can get a three month visa for the musicians, you can't get any for the crew. Mm. And every time you cross a border internally in 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 the EU, they they want to see the paperwork again. Um, it, we're definitely the poorer for it. There's, there's no two ways about it. I'm at a stage of life where you know, for all the other reasons, I I I don't need to do it anymore. But um, it's a shame I can't do what we did, which was just put our guitars in a car with a load of uh, merch and then just cross the channel and play. You can't do it. So, um, yeah, it must also affect your mail order because I know you do a lot of the sales directly, don't you? Um, mm. but so with postage for, for records overseas is so expensive as well. Now it must have, it really is, yeah, you know, no, it really is. Um, affecting bands costs, on all levels, cost of fortune. Mm. Uh, and then you know, you send them out, and every now, uh, you know, every now and then one comes back with those little Brexity stickers on it. <laughs> Um, and you have to try and send it again, which costs you twice the postage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting putting on the outside that it's no, I better not say how what we do. No, yeah. <laughs> there are plans to try and get round it, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to be a little bit of a criminal now. Yeah, this is no good has, has come from it at all. So um, it's a shame. But um, yeah, say so that Gilded Cage, great, uh, a great track that sort of really encapsulates all those frustrations of not being able to travel and uh, yeah. yeah, things we took for granted. Um, so now let's go back to the fourth album from 2020. Yeah, I spent, I spent most of the first lockdown trying to rearrange the, uh, the album launch gig because we had yeah. the Black Heart booked, I think, for may the something and then put it back you know and put it back and not, none of it happened and this is the the, the fourth album don't blame yourself another great record um how did this album come about i mean was it um where were you getting your influences from from the lyrics for this one because this was this was pre-lockdown yeah um all, all sorts of things i think it's probably um the least personal album i've written because at that stage I'd sort of run out of um, uh, things to write about myself although there are I'm trying to remember the name of a track that I that I wrote about my my, my first foreign holiday I didn't go to um, abroad on a foreign holiday until I was about 23 um, and I my wife and I went to um, Gran Canaria and I thought oh you know in February and there were strawberries and I thought, oh bloody hell that's amazing uh, oh what a lovely day so there was a there was that that song about that. Don't blame yourself. It, it, the track itself, which, which is great, it's a sort of T Rex mm. uh, sort of mix, very very bluesy. Uh, was just written about the sort of state of the country that that just seemed like it was one great big bar fight at the time. Because again, the, the country was very split about Brexit, and 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 everybody was arguing. The sort of spirit of that is what don't don't blame yourself about. Shall we hear it? Don't 
Coming on to the new album again, and it's goodbye from him. Which uh, have you still got the coloured vinyl versions available from your site? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's the only version that's available. Okay. A nice puking pink. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need your sunglasses on when you take it out of the cover. You know, it's uh, it's a great. You need some Rennies. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So the album's um, available from all good record stores and direct from your website, of course. And this is um, a track that you've, you've picked, which is, uh, we've touched on this as well, you know, I love this line, you know, you can smile and sing your heart out on cloud nine, you know, which again sums up that, that feeling a lot of us have at your gigs. And, um, <laughs> you know, which we, I won't labour the, the point, but uh, it's, it's a lovely line, you know, sums up what it's like being at there at a gig, the, you know, the, that sort of um, fantastic feeling of live music that you can get amongst a crowd singing along, uh, which, you know, we had on the, the Lexington at your final show. Again, it was written in lockdown, yearning for that. And, and the great irony is that once I got back to it, I decided to stop. <laughs> you know, but having written a song about how I was dying to get back to do it. Um, <laughs> it, it was sort of kicked off. Yeah, it's those two ideas 
there. It was, again, kicked off by a, a Lemmy quote, uh, which was in that um, documentary about him. And, it, and, and he very quickly says, oh, you can't have it all. Where would you put it? And the interviewer doesn't even uh, realise that he said it. I was on the floor. You know, that's such a funny line, uh, as you know, so many of you he is. So, so I stole that and then combined it with with the idea, as you as you say, you know, you you can you can't have it all, but you can have a good time if you want to, if you put your head into it. Yeah. Um, and again, one of those songs before you know, I made the discovery about myself, which is just uh, trying to to tell me just don't get wound up by the knuckleheads just have a good time um so so that idea's in there as well yeah well it's, it's a sort of fitting track i think you know to uh, to play because as i said it does sum up a lot of what we felt in the crowd at your gigs you know so let's hear it this is real good time all aboard for the best of times raise your glasses as the guitars chime the band are ready and the crowd are truly primed
Yeah, that's a classic, isn't it? That's real good time. And, that's and it's got the great yeah. Morris Hipkiss on it again in the middle, especially oh, yeah. the little breakdown in the middle. If you hear it, it's just achingly beautiful pedal steel. And then the very last, in the middle um, instrumental break, he's just a little bit late coming down on the note, and it's just yeah. genius. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic track. And uh, Well, Duncan, thank, thank you so much. We're going we're gonna to play out on a track, but I just want to say thank you so much for, for everything. And um, I said we were there at some of your very early shows. Remember the 12 bar? Yeah, I photograph do. photograph Paul Slattery yeah. took of you at the, the old much-missed 12 bar. We go back that long. And said there's lots of stuff of, of Duncan on the Retroman blog in the archives. And not forgetting our fantastic chat we had, the lockdown, blowdown, Retrosonic podcast interview, which is really, really worth having a listen to. And um, well, anything I'm on is well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to rein you in a bit, you know. <laughs> but thanks for everything, Duncan. And, no, thanks, and, Steve. Thanks for you know all, all your support over the years. It's uh, it's yeah. really appreciated. No, but uh, sad, but obviously there's lots of things to, that we, we've got to be thankful for with your music, all the records, and I, I'm I'm sure we're not going to. I don't know. I just got a sneaking feeling, you know, we're not going to see the last of you. We'll see. Why. We'll see. You never can say never, can you? Yeah. Well, you'll hear about it first at Retroman Blog. And um, <laughs> so to play us out, we're um, this is a, this is the only track. I mean, this is testament to all the, the quality of your, your songs because, as I said, these are the sort of it's a deep dive, isn't it? As what the kids say today into the back catalogue, and this doesn't obviously include any of your singles or or great tracks like "Gotta Call Simone," "Sailor V," all the "Bombs Away," which are obviously all the, the the sort of more well-known songs. So obviously, you know, if you think all this lot were good, you know, check out the rest of the stuff, you know, and. Um, this was the only track that you played at the Farewell Show, and this is one that you picked from uh, the Don't Blame Yourself album, um, To Live or Live Not. Yeah, I think it's my career. There's some things that are right up. I mean, first time, having sung on first time, obviously, that, that's right up there. And, and Bombs Away is, I think, the track Bombs Away. And this is definitely right up there. I just, um, you know, it's, it's just a great rocking song with absolute genius lyrics. I, I, I've said it many, many times. I, 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 I impress myself sometimes and, and rhyming, rhyming uh, Caracas with Maracas. The idea I'm going to get the first plane <laughs> to Caracas. Why go somewhere that's way too safe? Going to find a girl who plays Maracas. Going to ask her out with all her mates. I mean, that's all you want to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. You know, well, you've managed to throw in Maracas, Caracas, and Michael Payne into your song. So, um, yeah, on the new album, you know, there's I, I managed to rhyme uh, horses with tortoises. <laughs> uh, a bloke went, yeah, has, I've had a bet on the horses, which all ran like tortoises. I mean, it makes me laugh. Oh, well, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> lyrical genius there, you know. Well, thanks again, Duncan. So, it said, check out retromanblog.com and I'll put um, links to the podcast and, um, you better see this at Retrosonic Podcasts, um, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're called nowadays. But just search for the Retrosonic Podcast and retromanblog.com. And as I said, check out Duncan Reed on, on the internet and sort of order all his back catalogue. Still got some stuff. He's got a house full of stuff he wants to get rid of now, all the merchandise. I have, I have. He couldn't take, <laughs> thanks to Brexit, he couldn't take on the last tour. And so let's play out with a track from the Don't Blame Yourself album. This is to live or live not and thank you very much Duncan yeah cheers thanks Steve thanks for the opportunity to talk about something different cheers all the best bye gonna rent my house out to a stranger 
Live or live 